0: Again, picking up in verse 25, we look uh, Sunday evening down to verse 24 and uh, kind of the outline that we have already, and I'll just run through it with you. But verses 19 to 23, we see that the Son does what the Father does. Verse 24, the one who hears and believes has life. And then verse 25 to 29 says, the Son will raise the dead. In verse 30, we will have the Son does the Father's will. So that's kind of an outline of what we have uh, so far, and that's kind of the outline we're following. But as we think this evening, we're thinking about the authority that the Lord has uh, given to the Son. And the Son has come to exercise that authority, and in that authority, He has the power to raise the dead. He has the power to raise the dead. That is the hope of Christianity, isn't it? Resurrection. Uh, we hope and we long uh, or we find our faith grounded in the hope of the resurrection. Uh, we, we have hope that on the last day, the Lord will raise all those from the dead. And there will be a judgment. And those who are in Christ will receive life. And those who are raised without Christ receive wrath and judgment the resurrection is not a new topic um, in just in the new testament it goes all the way back to even job if you remember the book of job uh, job chapter 14 verse 14 says if a man dies will he live again that was the question that was the age-old question if a man dies will he live again well the answer yes And Job confirmed that in Job chapter 19, verse 25. He says, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he said, and at the last, he will rise up over the dust of this world. And even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh, I shall see God. That's from the earliest written book in the Bible uh, from Job. And he has this hope. That one day, even if his flesh suffers decay in the grave, that from his flesh he will see the Lord. That is the hope of Christianity, is the resurrection. I'll tell you another one that had this same hope, and that was Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us in verse 17 that by faith Abraham, when he was tested offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was offering up his only son, to whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. He considered that God is is able to raise people from the dead. He believed it. He he had hope in the resurrection. Daniel said in Daniel 12, verse 2, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. Daniel mentioned it. Our Lord said in Luke 14, verse 14, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for it will be repaid to you at the resurrection of the righteous. Uh, We could go to John 6 since it's just one chapter over. But in John 6, uh, verse number 39, it says, this is the will of him who sent me that of all that he's given to me, I lose nothing. But what is he going to do? Raise it up on the last day. That is a very key phrase all throughout John chapter 6. Notice verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will what? Raise him up on the last day. You can go to verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 54. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Do you see where they would have gotten the uh, rumor spread that Christians were cannibals? All right. So Jesus said, he eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. And then he goes on to say, and I will raise him up on what on the last day. This is a common reoccurrence. So we could, you know, my mind immediately goes, wants to go to John 11 and I'm having to fight it off because we're not there yet. But in John 11, Lazarus dies. And Jesus said in John 11, verse 25, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. The apostles, they preach the resurrection. Acts chapter 4, verse 2, being greatly agitated because they were teaching people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So people were mad because they were preaching the resurrection from the dead. It goes on, we can look at several in Acts, but Acts 23, verse 6, it says, But knowing that one group were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees. Now, y'all have heard the joke, right? This is a great time to tell it, so I'm going to tell it. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, that's why they were sad, you see. So, there you go. All right, so, knowing that the one group were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, Paul began crying out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of a Pharisee. I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. This has been the message, is that death will not have the final say-so. And, you know, the, the audience that Jesus preached to, the people that understood the Old Testament, I say understood lightly, but those who had ideas of the Old Testament knew that there was only one being that had the power to give life. And there was only one who had the authority to judge. And Jesus told these people that were listening that the Father had given to him the same uh, oper- the same privilege. They didn't like that. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the bread of life. I am uh, the resurrection and the life. This was the son's proclamation. And they hated him for it. They tried to kill him for it. And eventually they, they did. And so what we want to see tonight is Jesus not only has been given authority to judge from the father. But he also has the authority and power to raise the dead. So notice verse 30. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 25. John chapter 5, verse 25. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. So there's two resurrections. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Well, what is that talking about? Well, when you hear and you live, and if it's now, boy, don't that sound very familiar to the conversation you have with the woman at the well? Uh, you know, John keeps it very, you'll see this all the way through, but John told the woman at a well that the time is coming where they who worship him will worship him or time is coming. And now is that they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And for such worshipers, the father is seeking. And so now we see it here where Jesus says, an hour is coming again. And now is the implication is the same thing here regarding just like it was with the woman at the well. The time is now where the son has come. To give life to those who hear the voice of the Son of God. For Christians, I would argue that there are two resurrections. There is one resurrection in which we experience spiritually. And there is a resurrection in which we will one day experience physically. Uh, Jesus said, he who hears has life. He says, beginning back in chapter 1, if you come, you will see. He told Nicodemus, you must be born Again, or if not, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. This has been the, char- the character of our Lord throughout all of his preaching is he's calling again these people to a, a deeper level of spiritual truth. And Jesus has spoken on giving life and he had spoken on being the judge in verses 20 down to verse 23. And now he elaborates on this resurrection and this judgment. And again, I'm I'm thinking, you know, too, that when we read verse 25, it is hard for us not to think about John 11. I think it does have some connections there, some implications there that there will come a time in the near future where he will indeed speak Lazarus and Lazarus will come forth. He will raise up from the dead. But as Jesus is speaking here, that those who hear the voice of the Son of God that are dead, those who hear will live. Those who hear Will live. Do you notice the connection of hearing? You hear. If you hear, you will live. Uh, We've always said there's a difference between listening and hearing, right? But when you hear this, you will live. When you hear the voice of the Son of God. Jump down to verse 28. He says again, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming in which all who in the tombs will hear his voice. So again, it's his voice. Why is it significant that the dead must hear the voice of Christ? Why is it significant that the voice of God must be heard for any life to be given? Because there is no life in and of ourselves. We do not contain that. We must be given that. It's just like creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formed without form and it was void. It was here, but there was nothing here. And God sat back and said, Well, I hope the earth has a great time in producing it. No, he had to speak it in, let there be light. Second Corinthians chapter four, the Bible tells us very clearly, for God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Without the Creator speaking life into you and me, we have no life. But we remain dead. Jesus seems to be very clear on that. Ephesians 2.1, we all know that. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. That's not the only place it says that. Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. John, when he wrote 1 John, he said in 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed out of death into life. You were dead, but now you live. You had no life, but now you have life. What what was the deciding factor between no life and death and life? The voice of God. That was the deciding element. That was the factor. Paul said in Romans 6.13, Don't go on presenting your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. That's the call on our life as Christians. We live our lives as those who were dead, but now we are alive. We were dead and now we are alive. Go back to verse 21. Jesus is—he uh, speaks of this in John uh, 5 verse 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even, so, even the Son also gives life to whom He wishes or whom He wills. Or whom he desires. It sounds a lot like. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And compassion on whom I have compassion. This is the son's gift. This is the son's gift to give life to the dead sinner. And the Lord is over this. What does it mean to be dead spiritually? Well we know the description that Paul gives. And I I guess there's several we could turn to. I was thinking about Titus chapter 3. But. Straightforward. I was thinking about Ephesians 2. It says you were dead in your sin in which you formerly walked. So you may ask the question, what does it look like to be dead in your trespasses and sin? I know we say that, but what does that look like? What is the description of somebody that's dead in their trespasses and sin? How does, that, give me a visual. Okay. Verse 2. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. So you're just walking just like the world walks. And then it goes on to say, According to the prince of the power of the air. That would be the evil one. And of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, among them, so the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived, how? In the lust of our flesh, Indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature. Children of wrath. No peace, but just straight judgment. Jesus already said back in John chapter three. He who does not believe in the name of the only begotten son of God is condemned already. That's the way we come under the wrath of God and thanks be to God for his work in our hearts. The Bible seems to be very clear about hearing and living, hearing and living. Go over to John 10 and this is another one. Uh, John 10. John chapter 10. Um, let's pick up reading in verse 22. John 10 verse 22. I want you to see that a. Uh, distinguishing mark here between hearing and not hearing john 10 verse 22 at that time was the feast of the dedication that took place at jerusalem it was winter and jesus was walking the temple of the portico of solomon the jews then gathered around him and were saying to him how long will you keep us in suspense if you are the christ tell us plainly verse 25 jesus uh, he spoke Answer them, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. These testify of me, but you do not believe. Why do they not believe? There's a reason. Why do they not believe? There's a word there because (laughs) because The, the reason they don't believe is because you are not of what? My sheep, their ears remain deaf, their eyes remain blind and blurry because there's a reason. You can circle that word because you're not of my sheep. Well, why would it matter if I'm of his sheep? Well, notice verse 27. My sheep, what? Hear my voice. And I know them and I, they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So why did they not believe? <clears throat> Simply because they didn't want to? <laughs> it was because they were not what? Sheep. The sheep hear what? Hear his voice. Did I show y'all the little sheep video? You remember the shepherd came out and called him and Boy, them ears perked up. You remember that? That makes a hair on my neck stand up when I want to see that. But, you know, you, you, you wonder. You, know, you look in the world and you wonder. Spurgeon would say, you wonder. Jesus said to that crowd, you don't believe. You, you should believe based on what all I'm doing. But you don't because you're not of my sheep. My sheep here. And they come. They respond. They follow me. And I give to them eternal life. I don't know. I, I've saved this verse. I'm hoping I've indicated that it was coming. But anybody think about Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by. How'd your faith come? Hearing. I thought it was of your own doing. How'd your faith come? By hearing. Hearing what? Reader's digest? No. Hearing what? The words Of Christ. I can't get around scripture there. We respond because the creator spoke. And I assure you. If the creator speaks. And he creates life. Guess what we're the recipients of life. Christians should be the most humble people in the world. Because knowing that we have been born again. And that that gift has been given to us by God. Should bring us to our knees. That God came to us and called you by name when he had no reason to. None. We stunk before the nostrils of God. Our righteousness is worth nothing according to Isaiah. But his grace. His grace came as a gift and he had mercy. And guess what the promise is? I'm not going to lose any of them. I done read to you like six verses. I will raise them up on the last day. They experience spiritual resurrection and they will also experience physical resurrection. Now, let's go back to John 5, uh, picking up in verse 26. John 5 verse 26. I wanted to just spend a little time on that spiritual resurrection aspect, but for some of you, this may be the fun stuff. Um, and it is fun. I'm not going to say it's not. I always pick and kid about uh, retreating from eschatology. Um, I went to Philemon and some of them in our Sunday school said, well, I thought you were just going to go on into Revelation, man. (laughs) But, but, you know, you you get a little, you get a little sketchy with some of those things because there is so many different views and I say so many different. There are a lot, but really there's three that have, uh, you know, brought themselves to bear in the forefronts of people's minds and to consider and think about. And Unfortunately, we live in a day in which the people that uh, study and do things, nobody really wants to have conversations without getting mad and throwing books at each other. You know, you can't have a conversation about the Bible no more, or deep truths, and if you do, you tick somebody off. It's like we can't even sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about some things that we may disagree or not agree with. So I don't, I don't get that, but I'll leave that alone subject for another day. But, you know, when you talk about the Bible, you've you, you got to approach conversations with each other, I, I would say, humbly. Uh, and I, I, do, I say that particularly regarding eschatology, because so many in our area have been rooted and grounded in premillennial dispensationalism. And that those words may mean nothing to you but I could begin to tell you the steps and you would go oh yeah aha yeah that's me there brother and so I'm not going to necessarily do that what we want to focus on this evening is just simply the resurrection on the last day there's a lot of stuff we can talk about to get there but here's I'm going to kind of reveal to you where I am uh, just personally and my own thoughts on all this but Jesus I think gives us very direct instructions here but he says in verse 26, for just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. Now, we've got to be careful with that verse, don't we? And you may say, well, you've got to be careful with it. Because if 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 what is indicated is that God the Father gave to the Son life, would it mean that the Son previously never had life in himself to begin with? So, you know, well, then you may get a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness or even a Muslim come along and say, oh, see, there, there was something he was lacking. Well, then I'm like, well, no, because... John made that pretty clear to begin with. In John chapter 1, verse 1, verse 4, did he not? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So the instruction that John is giving is not to tell us something that Jesus lacked. It's to remind those of what he already had. Anyway, I'm not going to get off on all that, but I just want you to read that and see how quick somebody can... Try to be a little smart, you know, oh, no, no, I'm not going to punt, you know, that's we're okay. So verse 27, and he gave authority to ex- execute what? Judgment. And we confirmed that in Acts 17, didn't we? That Paul said preaching in the uh, Areopagus that there would come a time in the last day where Jesus had been appointed by God because of the res- The proof that Jesus is going to be judge is that God raised him from the dead. That's the proof. He it goes on to say, verse 28, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming. So here's something different. An hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. All who are in the tombs will hear his voice. So what does this mean? (laughs) Well, just like a dead spiritual person hears the voice of Christ and comes forth in life. The same reality would happen and manifest itself when Jesus calls us by name and all the graves release. It happened in uh, with Lazarus, did it not? And I've told you Spurgeon's quote, but it fits well here. If Jesus had not specified Lazarus, then every grave would have burst open. That's power. And that's what will happen on the last day. Uh, so let's look at that. I, I'm going to read something real quick from Daniel, but then we'll turn. But Daniel 7 says, just listen to this verse. Daniel 7, verse 13. I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. That was Jesus seems like favorite reference, the son of man. And in Daniel, that's where it's referenced. So that would have caused the ears to perk up. But it said with the clouds of one like the son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and came near to him and gave and he was given dominion, glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and men of every tongue might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not be taken away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Now, some people use that verse as referring to when Jesus comes on the clouds to receive his own. I don't believe that. I, I believe this verse points to when Jesus took his position at the right hand of the Father because it says he was coming up to the Father, not coming down to the earth. That's just logic to me. But it, you, know, you say, well, you may be just taking that too much at face value. How else you going to take it? Um, so he said, I kept looking at the night, and with the clouds, one like the Son of Man was coming, he came up to the Ancient of Days. When did this happen? Anybody remember Acts chapter 1 verse 8 the disciples were standing with him and the angels appeared to him and said, "What are you guys doing?" What, what were they doing? <laughs> I don't know how they looked, but you know they were gazing up into the clouds that he was coming up into the clouds. I don't what seems to fit together to me. But he was coming up in the clouds and where did he go? He ascended. What happened when he ascended? Hebrews chapter 1. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Anybody remember Revelation 5? John says, I was weeping. There was not one to take the scroll from the one who sat upon the throne. And the elder said, John, stop weeping. For behold, there's a lamb who is standing as if he was slain. (laughs) Oh, That's some good stuff. But anyway, what was the scroll? The scroll was the entire... I believe it was the entire dominion, His rule over all creation. And it was given to Him because of what He accomplished on the cross. Is that not what Psalm 2 said? I have installed my king upon Zion. Ask of me and I will give you the inheritance. I will give you what? The nations as your inheritance. Well... So what's what's going to happen? I, I believe that was Jesus' inauguration. But what is he speaking of here? When a day will come where it says all who are in the tombs will hear his voice? Let's flip over to uh, first. Uh, well, let's go to First Corinthians fifteen first. First Corinthians fifteen. First Corinthians fifteen, uh, and we'll go to verse twenty three. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23. If you know anything about 1 Corinthians 15, the entire chapter is on the resurrection. The entire chapter is on the resurrection. Uh, verses 1 through 19 is on fact the facts of Jesus' resurrection. Verses 20 down to verse 49 is the order of the resurrection. And then 50 all the way down to 58 is the mystery of the resurrection. So we're going to pick up here in 1 Corinthians 15 and go to verse 23. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23, but each in his own order. So there's an order to this last days stuff, but each in his own order. Well, what's the order? Christ, the first fruits. Would you say that's happened? Yes, Jesus, not in the grave no more. He's been raised, Okay. Christ has been raised, so He was the first to be raised. He's the first fruits, the greatest of all the harvest. After that, what's next? Those who are Christ at His coming. So Jesus has been raised, who is the utmost importance of all the fruit. And the next thing which we call his second coming, is when those who are in Christ will be raised. So Jesus was raised. The next order of business, the way I understand it, is that all who belong to Christ will be raised. And then he says, then comes the end. Boy, we tend to drag it out a lot longer than what it's read, don't we? (laughs) But Christ has been raised. The next order of event is what he said in in John 5 and here, that all will be raised. Those who are of good deeds will go to life. Those who are of, of evil deeds will go to judgment. Hang with me. You're saying you're talking good deeds, but just hang on. But this is the order. Who who did God the Father turn the judgment, the authority to judge over to? Then why do we talk of that, about there being two or three different judgments at the end? I'll toss you that ball and let you dribble it a little bit. But if but if God the Father handed to the Son the authority to judge all people at the end, Which Paul said in Acts 17. Then why do we throw around all these different things? Christ is the one, according to Philippians chapter 2, that every knee will what? Bow. Every knee and every tongue will what? Confess that he's Lord. And at this great day of judgment, there will be those who go to life and those who go to death, to wrath, to the punishment that they will receive from God. And then comes the end, verse 24. Well, what's going to happen at the end? Well, Satan will be given the keys. He'll be us. Does it say all that? Now, y'all know I'm teasing here. But I'm just trying to intrigue your mind. But what's going to happen at the end? It's very straightforward. He hands over the kingdom... To the father. How can he hand a kingdom over to the father? That would mean he. Had a kingdom right. That would mean he has something to give to show for what he's done right. I believe that when this day comes. That the Lord that Christ will hand to his father. A saved. World. So you say, what are you? I'm optimistic. (laughs) If you want to put that in a category somewhere, you you go ahead and frame it. I'm optimistic. It may look like pure torture to get to this point. But the father will give to the son an inheritance of all the nations. And when that work is done, what, what else is going to happen? He's going to hand the kingdom to the father. And when he has abolished all rule, authority, and power. Alright, so watch verse 25. This, this, this verse here, for me, is just, I don't know. It's hard to, for a lot of different positions, it, to me it would be hard to get over. You'd have to do some serious hermeneutical gymnastics here. But verse 25, for he must Reign. I thought we were having to wait until he started raining. No, he's raining and he must. Don't you like that word must? He must rain. Now notice the next word until. So there, to me, that implies a process. Something has to take place before all of what we just read is finally accomplished. Well, what must take place? Until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The end will come, the way I see it here, when Jesus Christ has put all his enemies under his feet. Wherever that category puts you in eschatology, there's where I fall. He must reign. Until he has put all his enemies under his feet. I don't know about you. But that gives me hope. Hope. What will be the last enemy? Verse 26. There it is. On the last day. On the last day. No grave, none will be able to hold them back. None, none. Isn't that a glorious hope that you and I have? Jump down to verse 35. Somebody's going to say, don't you love how Paul always anticipated questions? I love it. I didn't realize where we were on time. Um, He makes my job a whole lot easier sometimes. But he says, somebody's going to say, somebody's going to ask, verse 35, how are the dead raised? Boy, that's a pretty straight up question, isn't it? How are the dead raised, man? And with what kind of body do they come? Don't y'all want to know that? I mean, I do. That's what he asked, that's what he said that somebody's going to ask. Somebody in Corinth was thinking the same thing we're thinking here this evening. Praise be to God, right? I don't know if I really like how Paul responded in verse 36, but I'll swallow it. You fool. Thank you, Paul. I bet he got called a lot of meetings on, what you think. And probably didn't care one bit. But anyway, uh, he said, you fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it what? don't Paul and the Lord always take spiritual truths and compare them to harvesting. And he says that, you know, unless it dies, it's not going to come to light. He said, and that which you sow, verse 37, you do not sow the body to which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished. And to each of the seeds, a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one flesh of men another flesh of beasts, another of birds, another of fish, and there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly, one, heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, and for stars differ from star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, but is raised as an imperishable. So in other words, when we're raised, this body that we have now is perishable. And he said, when we're raised, the body that we will have then, which I believe will be very similar to what we have now, will be imperishable. So it will receive what we are anticipating, which is glorification. Where we will be, 1 John chapter 3 says, we will be, when we see him, we will be as he is. I don't think, if you're just curious of my thoughts, which sometimes are scary, but I, don't, I, I really don't think, as much as sometimes we want to spiritualize that time, we're not going to be floating around as invisible spots. And every time someone dies, an angel don't get its wings. Um... I better stop there when we're ahead. but you know you when when we're raised what else are you expecting to come back like You ever thought about it like I don't know and well I, you know what what do you what do you think you know you ponder, I don't know if you've pondered that I ponder it but if we look at the one in whom we know who was raised from death to life. Did they not know who he was? They knew who he was. They said, here, he said here put, put your hand in my scars. You know some of us I guess think that. When we are raised from death to life. We'll appear on Vogue magazine in the millennium right. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that's the way it's going to be. Um, I think we super spiritualize things that are just not meant to be super spiritualized. The point is, is that when Jesus says no more death, the body you receive in the resurrection will never die again. That's the point. And I don't know about you, but that's hope. That death will be no more. None. Um. We keep reading it. It gets better. Uh, let's jump down to um, let's jump down to verse 50. I, I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Aren't you glad Paul thought it was a mystery too? I am. But he said, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. So not in other words, we're not going to all remain dead, but we will all be changed. How quick will this change happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trump will sound the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for this perishable must put on the imperishable. What Adam lost for mankind in the garden, Jesus Christ restores. And gives to us life eternal. That can never perish. He goes on to say, uh, verse 54. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality. Then will come about what is saying... Death is swallowed up in victory. So until you people ask, you know, what about the kingdom? What about the kingdom? Well, then you read Isaiah 60 and 61, and everybody's like, well, I read about the kingdom, but it says, you know, people's going to live to be 100 years old, but yet it still says some people will die. Well, how's somebody going to die when we're in the millennial? People die in the millennial? Well, what's going to happen in the millennial? You have 15,000 questions that just continue to run on and run on and run on, and I'm like, I, all I know is Paul says at the end, at the end, we will be raised and then will come about the saying, death will be no more. Could be living in the kingdom now. I thought the kingdom was going to be much better than this. Well, it says it's like a mustard seed. What do you do to a mustard seed? You plant it in the ground and what? <laughs> it grows. And Jesus says after a long period of time, what? That thing's so big, it's got branches that spread out that even the trees want to make its home in think the church will grow into that you know why jesus said not preacher i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it brother johnny and them lead us in a song periodically oh church arise and put your armor on Hear the call of Christ, our captain. Boy, it just gets me fired up. Um, you know, I, I ponder the end a lot, probably more than I should. And I guess it's because I got girls. You know, and you think about, um, I think a lot of times, and I'm just trying to conclude this, but I think a lot of times we, we live our lives thinking that... Um, you know, we 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 think of things so short. But what what if me? What what if I was to have great great grandchildren that I would never know? And you ain't got to have but five people that live to be a hundred years old, and you're already back to you know That we a hundred years is not. We don't think of time much anymore. So in my life, how can I right now already? Affect great great grandchildren. How can I even do that? Can I do that? Is that a possibility? Well, I don't know. There's here, there's wars and rumors of wars. He'd have like to be busting the clouds. Yeah. How do I do that? I get to them through my children because I have hope that the Lord will continue to build His church. Now you may look at me like a loon, and that that very well be need to be received. But, you say, where do you stand? I'm just optimistic. I don't know how it's all going to shake out. I'm just reading it. And I'm going to trust the Lord to do what He said He's going to do. But He's promised two, He said there'd be two resurrections. My hope in this room this evening is that you know you've been raised to life from the first one. That you've heard the voice of Christ. That you've responded to the voice of Christ, the shepherd. And if you have... When we're raised in the end, we will be welcomed in life. I guess um, I need to point this out and not leave you there. But uh, when he says those to be raised with good deeds will receive life. And those in John 5, it says to be raised and if evil deeds receive their judgment, punishment. You know, we, we fully firmly believe that we're saved by grace and faith in Christ alone. It's not by our works. So what what deeds? What what is I've told you, and I told you don't run and have a meeting or freak out when I tell you this, but you gotta listen. We are saved by deeds, by works. Now, if I stop there and end it, y'all have a reason to vote me on out, right? But the deeds are the works that we're saved by. Are not our own. What is the reason any of us enter life? Summary the man on the middle cross said, I could come. That's it. And I hope you trust him. Let's pray.